opinions expressed on this webmasterradio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of webmasterradio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited. Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spong. As she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I am Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings right here every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending the woman. Well, first up, I want to share a little bit from Iconoculture. You may be familiar with Iconoculture. I talk about them a lot on the program. They're a trend-watching organization. And I was reading some data from them just the other day, and they're reporting that singles are beginning to recognize their status in singledom as a legitimate lifestyle choice, not merely a phase before or between coupling. And as many of you already know, millennials have been putting off marriage until their late 20s, if at all. Uh, The decline in marriage in general um, keeps going down and population is trending smaller not larger in the in america and even older americans people in their 30s and 40s granted not old but older than the millennials remain single we know the number of single parents has boomed in the past decade and the trend is stronger than ever and according to iconoculture the pressure to get married has led up as social norms have made it okay it's okay not to have a spouse and kids by 30 internet dating of course is growing and the single life lifestyle is a choice now marketers take heed to this you do need to treat singles as such you know don't show singles as sad orphan people trying to seek a life partner just waiting around for the right person to come on their white steed and rescue them in fact according to the pew foundation more than 15 percent of singles say they are seeking a romantic partner well guess what that leaves 85 percent who are not seeking a romantic partner I know the day after Valentine's Day, that seems awfully shocking to many of you, but apparently it's true. Now, singles do have more than two trillion, trillion with a T, in annual buying power in this country. And marketers listening today, you're going to have a huge opportunity to capitalize on this, but you have to depict singles correctly. Consider avoiding those married with kids stereotypes, says Iconoculture, and really focusing on singles as a legitimate lifestyle choice. Well, our purse profile today, of course, is the quintessential single girl, the Gucci girl. She's in her late 20s, early 30s, a higher income than most out there, and very fashion conscious. There's nearly 2 million of them, average age of 29, employed full-time, no kids, and of course, single. They keep up with fashion, looking at fashion magazines to determine what clothes they buy. Uh, They do buy uh, clothes for every season. 
They're seeking change and novelty in their style. They like to make a statement. They're very driven by ambition and money. Of course, remember, these are single women. They want to get to the top of their career. They would like to run their own business if they could. And But they're very focused on what their family thinks of them and wants to make sure that their family thinks that they're doing well. They're willing to try new stores and brands, but not particularly loyal. Um, they go to discount department stores to try to find a good buy, and coupons also drive them into stores where they typically would not normally shop. Uh, at retail, they are shopping at uh, Express, Neiman Marcus, Banana Republic, New York, uh, Victoria's Secret. They're at Infinity, Cadillac, Jeep, Mercedes-Benz, and Nissan. And they're wearing Gucci, Knifle, Chanel, Estee Lauder, and Vera Wang. So where can you connect with our Gucci girls? Well, they're reading all kinds of fun, entertaining choices when it comes to print publications. Things like Entertainment Weekly, Vogue, Self, Elle, The New Yorker, Glamour, and Cosmo. They're watching E, VH1, MTV, Lifetime, Bravo, HGTV, and TLC. And online, they're at iVillage, MySpace, Travelocity, eBay, usatoday.com, and of course, eHarmony. But if you remember, they're not seeking a romantic partner, even though they're on eHarmony, apparently. Well, my guest for this program knows a lot about women, working women, and especially working mothers. Carol Evans is president and founder of Working Mother Media, and that is the home of Working Mother Magazine. Carol founded Working Mother Media in 2001, and between Working Mother's 100 Best Companies, they also list their town halls and multicultural conferences. Carol and her team are making life better for more than 26 million working moms in America and their families. So we're making the leap today from our Gucci girls to what I like to call our target trendsetters. Our target trendsetters, as you know, is our quintessential mom out there. Carol's just back from a trip to China cannot wait to hear what she has to say about working women in that country. More on purse strings when we return in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. Purse strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. TopSEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. If you're looking for a new multifaceted SEO and social media tool set, look for the Raven. Raven has the important tools that every internet marketer needs. Raven offers customized metrics for managing link building campaigns, social media campaigns, with campaign reporting and research tools that you can easily manage. Build up campaign performance for your clients and give your team the tools that will make them soar. If you want to increase your internet marketing revenue, look for The Raven. Go to raventools.com. That's raventools.com. Please welcome your CEO coach. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show custom built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. 
from funding to finances, set up to staffing. The CEO Coach will break down the art of business development from the ground up by one of the experts of online business growth, management, and development. CEO Coach, Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Culture and Business Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Strings is back with the inside track on today's woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Welcome back to Purse Strings. I'm delighted to have Carol Evans back on the program. Carol's president and founder of Working Mother Media, home of Working Mother Magazine. Carol, thanks so much for being back on the show. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. Thanks so much, Maria. You bet. You know, last time you were here, and it wasn't that terribly long ago, we were talking about your research project from 2010 called What Moms Think, the Working Mother Report. And during the course of our discussion together, you shared so much great information on working women, how they see their lives, how others see the lives of working women, including their spouses and even the managers that they work with on their jobs. And Mm -hmm. at the conclusion of our our interview, you shared that at the time you were going to China to spend some time with working women there. So I wanted to have you back on the program because we really haven't on this show dealt too much into China and working women. But before we get there, tell us why you took that trip late last year. Oh, it was a wonderful trip. And we had uh, committed to going to China as part of our global series that we've been doing for the last six years. We've been to uh, Brazil, to South Africa, to Bangalore, India. And then this was our first um, excursion to China. And what we do in our global series is we look at how women are advancing in other countries, bring together Americans with the women in country, uh, and and really run a full-day program, just like what we do here many, many times in the U.S., about career pathing, work-life balance, uh, new attitudes toward work, and all geared toward the women in that particular country. Very fascinating work, and of course, going to China was such a really important destination for us because as the world's you know, most populous country and also as the you know, world's fastest growing economy, it was extremely important for us to find out how working women are faring in China and what they're thinking and uh, you know, what kind of lives they're leading there. So uh, we, we were just delighted and thrilled and um, had a, a marvelous time. It's a very highly energized country. Uh, and we felt that energy the minute we stepped off the plane. Oh, I can only imagine. And, and having and you had never been to China before on personal trips either. So this was your first trip no. to China. It was my first trip. Many of the people that we went with had been there before, including um, our publisher who had adopted a child from China eight years before. Um, so we had quite a few people with personal experience. So it was my first trip. And, of course, many of the people that we brought uh, was their first trip as well. Well, it sounds like a really great opportunity to share insights and information. You probably learned as much from them as they did from you, it sounds like. What what were you hoping to understand about working women in China? I mean, I would imagine as, as one of the, well, it is the world's largest country, that you might think that they would be a little bit more progressive, although there's all those traditions in place. What what did you find out about kind of um, Chinese perception toward working women? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a very strong perception. They have a very big support system for working mothers and working women, and uh, there is a, a lot of progress that has been made in China, uh, and especially when you think back to its history of 
um, of how they've treated women in China on a long-term historical basis. Uh, you know, women are doing quite well there now. But we have had we have this very burning passion, which is to help companies understand how to treat women better, how to support them, how to advance them, how to make sure that women have gender equity in their companies. And so when we looked at China, the perspective that we're looking at uh, is from the perspective of the companies that we work with so closely in the United States. So the IBMs, Intel, Johnson & Johnson, EMC, these companies have very large workforces in China or in India, wherever we're going in that particular year. And they are very excited to have Working Mother um, act as a third party to, um, you know, to bring new ideas to the women in their country, and also to bring back um, the, you know, the thoughts and ideas of the women in that country to our country. One of the things that's very important for companies, as the world becomes increasingly global, which it certainly is in the marketplace, is for the women of China and the women of of uh, the United States or the women of the United States and India, whichever country, to understand each other better, to to really be able to use each other as role models and as inspiration the same way that we have role models and inspiring women here in this country. So part of our um, idea in going to, to China is to create uh, and foment a, a way for Chinese women and American women to talk to each other, to um, meet each other, to to see each other even, to experience each other, and then to dig down into some of the issues that the women in China are facing. Um, and, of course, there's some extraordinary differences um, between the women in China and the women in the United States, but there's also some fascinating similarities. Um, and, of course, one of the big differences is that most of the women that we meet in China who are moms have only one child. The, the one-child policy has been in place in China for, for many years now. Um, and while there are some women there who have more than one child, and certainly one of our speakers had three children and talked a lot about the, the, you know, the implications of that, but the average um, mom in China has one child due to uh, the policy of the government, which has been you know, set in stone for a long time in order to keep the population at a manageable level. Um, and I have to say that there's just because they have one child, there's no um, limit on how much they are focusing on that one child. You know, this is this, just like with American moms, they want this child to be um, well-educated, to be well-rounded, to be exposed to many things. Um, and they spend a tremendous amount of energy, time, um, part, you know, part of their heart and soul goes into uh, coaching that child and rearing that child and loving that child. Um, and it's it's fascinating to see that how that one difference in the size of the family can make a big impact. Oh, and I'm sure that's just one of a variety of differences you probably found between Chinese working women and women in the U.S. But talk a little bit, if you would, about some of the similarities that you picked up between yeah, the two so, countries. That was really fascinating because I didn't expect to find uh, that many similarities, but there are. In fact, one of the things we had, a, we had an idea that this was going to happen because when we sent out our research, we always do a research project before we go to the country to find out as much as we can about what the women in that country want to talk about and want to hear about uh, because we customize each uh, event for the women in that country. And I was uh, fascinated to learn that work-life balance issues 
was the number one thing that women in China wanted to speak about. And it wasn't just moms. It's you know all women. They were fascinated by talking about work-life balance. How can they make a life that works for them and have a career that works for them at the same time? Um, and, of course, they also wanted to talk about career pathing and how they can find the right career for themselves and the right level and the right, you know, um, the right job to make them feel satisfied. But, the, but let's focus on work-life balance for a minute. Um, they had very, very similar conversations in that uh, we were at Intel's headquarters. In the Intel headquarters, we had very similar conversations there as we've had at, say, Intel's headquarters in California um, Hmm. with the women. Yeah, which was, to me, very interesting because um, I heard a lot of uh, similarities, uh, especially, let me just say, to a kind of a stereotypical New York mom, um, the helicopter parent, you know, the one who's kind of, hovering around trying to make sure that the child has everything that they need, that was very much in evidence in China. Um, There was a lot of concern about whether she had enough um, energy to be stretched between a child and an elder parent, which we hear so much of in this country. Um, And while there there were concerns about being able to have enough money to live in the right neighborhoods, to be in the right schools, and to get the right kind of, you know, piano lessons, ballet lessons, sport lessons, whatever it was. Doesn't that sound like an interesting American conversation? <laughs> it sounds quintessential American, actually. Yes. I think that all of that is very American. I mean, the sandwich, kind of that sandwiched uh, situation where you're sandwiched between your taking care of your kids and your and your parents, and then the whole helicopter parents and work life balance. All of that sounds very American. I, I guess it just kind of cuts across all cultures. Though these are all challenges that we face. It does cut across a lot of cultures, and and in particular in China, there was a lot of reflection um, of the American culture there, which is a you know may, may sound like an odd thing to say, but you know the culture in the especially let's say take the last fifteen years, it's a very go go culture. You know, there's a lot happening. There's an enormous amount of building going on. Everything is being modernized in the last. 15 years. I mean, you could see the impact of having the Olympics in Beijing. You could see how the the city had been just, you know, really revitalized and, you know, shined and polished for the Olympics, and that that glow is still there. So there's a lot of pride in the work, um, and um, and it's a you know it's a kind of operating at a fever pitch in a way that's similar to well maybe pre-recession here in the U.S. Um, and so in some ways. They're in an, uh, an economic upswing that is very similar to what our uh, cities and country were in just a few years ago here. Uh, so I think there's a, there's a reflection there of that kind of heady economic activity and growth, and that might be part of why we're seeing a similarity in the uh, in the cultural realm as well. Now, I also want to say that the multinational companies that we were with, uh, you know, all the, the companies that I was citing earlier, you know, Johnson & Johnson and Motorola and Sodexo and Hewitt, you know, these companies have big um, workforces in China, um, you know, tens of thousands of people in some cases um, or several thousand people. And um, they're doing high-level intellectual work in many cases with technology and healthcare. And um, the companies are bringing American-based ideas of how to create gender equity and promotion of women and advancement of women um, 
to their cultures in in China and and in, indeed in every country that we go to around the world. So in some ways, the women that we were talking to were women working for mostly for multinational companies, Chinese women, but working for um, companies either based in the U.S. or Europe. Um, and so they have a a, a definite um, you know support system similar to what these companies, these really great companies, have built in this in the United States for their women. And in many ways, these women are well, are privileged. Oh, absolutely privileged. And they, they can kind of mirror that Western culture, if you will, and have all the support that a Western mom would have in, in the workforce. But I would imagine that these, Ameri- these American-based companies, the Motorola's, the Hewitt's, the Intel's that you talk about, probably learned a lot from the Chinese working women. I want to tackle that question when we return in just a moment with Carol Evans. Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. Her strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Two, one, booster ignition. Ascend into new heights of ranking and revenue with a search engine-friendly online shopping cart that's ready for liftoff. Introducing Ascender Cart. Ascender Cart optimizes your shopping cart with easy-to-use SEO tools that will help build keywords, titles, and tags for top search engine rankings. Get all of the advantages of having a shopping cart on your site and monitor your progress with regular reports in just a click. Prepare to launch your shopping cart to the top of the search engines with Ascender Cart. Learn more about what Ascender Cart can do for you at AscenderCart.com. A-S-C-E-N-D-E-R-C-A-R-T.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. I'm Brad Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your mind, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101. Catch us Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. So, we spoke briefly about the synergy of how two companies can work. Before we get back into the show, Maria, you wanted to ask a real quick question? or um... Yeah, Carol, is it okay if I um, ask you about Amy Chua's book, Battle Hymn of a Tiger Mother? Oh, sure. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, just in light of what you were saying about the helicopter parent and all of that, I just yeah. felt like it might be a timely question. I'll just do that when we first get back. Okay, that's fine. Okay, Hang great. on, everybody. We're coming back. 
What we did is uh, we built it as a, as a form of a partnership, and we ended up with 11 uh, partners uh, having offices in Japan and the Middle East and South Africa and Europe and the US. And I mean, we ended up having weekly meetings with 11 executives. You cannot run a company like that, especially if you want to do it globally. Culture is very different. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Strings is back with the inside track on today's woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And welcome back to Purse Dreams. Joining me today is Carol Evans, president and founder of Working Mother Media, home of Working Mother Magazine. And we've been talking about Carol and her group's trip uh, to China at the end of last year. It was part of their global series, and you've gone all over the all over the world learning about working women in various countries. But this was your first trip to China. And before the break, we were talking about how Chinese working moms have a lot of the same challenges as working moms here in the U.S. Uh, the sandwich situation of caring for a young child and an, an elderly parent at the same time, the helicopter parent situation. And uh, I just wanted to bring up, because I think it's kind of that timely topic, curious, clearly you were there in December before Battle Hymn of a Tiger Mother by Amy Chua hit store shelves here in the U.S. That furor kind of sparked up in January. But I'm curious, um, very controversial book about um, raising children the Chinese way. Did you see any of that kind of eking into these women's kind of psyche about how they should be raising their kids, all this pressure to raise their kids a certain way? Well, I, I did see a lot of pressure to make sure that their child, imagine, remember that they basically have one child. They, there right. was a lot of pressure to make sure that their child would succeed. But, you know, not necessarily... Um, in the way that Amy Chow is talking about, um, I didn't see any kind of harshness or, you know, that kind of, she, she described herself as a very, um, you know, exacting and demanding mother. I didn't see that so much in these women. They seem to be, you know, your typical soft-sided mom, really just doting on their children, on their child. Um, and, and I think one of the things that's interesting about Amy is that she, you know, has complained that people are taking this as a prescription for parenthood rather than as a memoir, which right. she intended to write it as a memoir rather than as a prescription. So I think it's interesting for people to, to remember that as we talk about her book, that, she, that this is a memoir of how she, how she raised her children, um, not necessarily a prescription for others. And I think that those of us who aren't you know, in that same kind of demanding mode can take some comfort in that. But in China, what I saw the moms were um, very sort of soft and tender-hearted towards their children, um, wanting, you know, maybe more, the helicopter-type parent more focusing on achievement than your than your typical average American mother, perhaps, but not so much. Um, and, of course, this pressure of having one child is very interesting, and that is one of the big differences between the United States and China is this one-child rule, so that the parents, the mother and the father both, um, they're focused on the one child, but they also have their grandparents because everybody only has one child, so they've got you know two sets of grandparents and a set of parents um, all focusing on this one child, and it creates almost a uh, you know too much attention on the child. Not necessarily negative, like Amy was talking about, but m- almost too much positive attention. So what they're finding in China is this big generational uh, problem where the children who have grown up in the one-child society feel very, uh, in a way, kind of privileged or soft, or um, they feel like 
a lot is due to them. They've had so much attention. They don't necessarily have that sense of independence. Um, and I think this is one of the reasons why the Chinese uh, and the multinational companies are so focused on, um, you know, really finding the women to take leadership roles and to advance them and you know, nurture their women talents. Because in China, the male, the male, males have a, generally speaking, a more privileged position, and maybe the boy child children are being coddled a little bit more than the girl children. So they're looking to really take their women, female talent, and move it ahead and get all they can from their female talent. But it's quite fascinating, and I, I, I think that um, I didn't see the a- Amy Chow's. Um, you know, system was not being talked about in China very much. Yeah, well, and good point that she did say that it was a memoir and not a prescription, but, you know, it, it's an interesting look at child rearing nevertheless. Um, you talked oh, yes. before about, um, you know, that, that you went there with these American-based companies that have these large workforces in China, and they are looking to learn from these Chinese women in order to support them and grow grow their profession. Um Talk a little bit about what you think that you've brought back to share with other American companies, companies that might look to expand in China or, um, or to break through in China. What, what did you learn that you're sharing with those types of companies? Well, first we're sharing that there's an enormous uh, pool of talent, female talent in China. These women are incredibly well-educated. They have uh, very high-level degrees. There's a lot of women with super high technology degrees and uh, engineering degrees and um, in the healthcare field, lots of female doctors. And in business, there are lots of companies in China that are run by women CEOs. Um, there's a very strong entrepreneurial spirit in China as well. Um, and so, And, you know, government has uh ha- has a tremendous amount of um women employees as well so there's a big pool of highly educated very motivated talented women now i can't say that there's gender equity um you know across the board and certainly it's similar to here there's a lot more men at the top of companies than there are women but on the other hand um, the talent is there to be nurtured and expanded upon and to be, um, you know, um, to create succession plans for. So that's the good news. Um, and there, there's no real bad news. I mean, I think that the news that what I'm t- sharing with American companies is that women in China are not, you know, they're not female warriors. <laughs> they are, they're women and they're moms and they care about having a whole life and they're concerned um, about fitting childhood and and work together, they have high work ethics, and they also have you know they're demanding on themselves as moms. It's, again, very similar to American women, they feel a sense of guilt. They don't call it guilt. It's interesting because they speak beautiful English, of course, and there's we spoke in English the whole time we were there. But to the to these professional women, but they talk about it as pressure. They don't say guilt. That word doesn't doesn't really mean much to them. They say we feel pressure, the pressure to combine and to um, to do exceed well at both. This is a very strong pressure that they feel, uh, and that is something that we're talking to American companies is like you know don't assume that this woman in China is a a female warrior who can just accomplish everything without uh, you know without the challenges that we feel here. It's very similar, and that's a you know that's a pretty interesting. Um, 
lesson for, for companies to learn because I think there's a lot of stereotypes about women in China, and um, and we found that there's a huge variation on the theme. Uh, we also found that there are some, and this is something that I want American companies to understand, it, that there are amazing role models for women in China. It wasn't very difficult for us to find terrific speakers and leaders. In fact, I, I did my work-life balance workshop there, and I um, leaned on Elaine Bai, who is an employee of IBM, um, and she um, she was just amazing. I was giving what I, you know, the kind of workshop that I give in the United States a lot, and then I had Elaine speak as my um, kind of, not an interpreter um, for language, but socially. So I would say something about how I work, how I train work-life balance in the United States, and then I'd ask Elaine how she saw it in China. And, you know, it was, she was just so fluid and easy to interpret uh, the, um, my thoughts into her, her framework. Um, very talented woman who you know, spoke so beautifully for uh, the Chinese moms. And then we had this wonderful woman who spoke, um, Wang Lee Moser from Intel. She was a woman who's very senior, senior level woman at Intel. And uh, she talked about how how she had been had grown up in China um and been you know kind of experienced a lot of the difficulties under Mao and how she had had to really rise above um you know the prejudice that they had against the um educated class under Mao and then 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 orchestrating this fabulous career for herself very touching very moving um, stories uh, about the the leadership of women in China, and again, these women are just amazing. They're there to inspire each other and to move uh, Chinese women ahead in in uh, in their destiny. Well, it certainly sounds like they inspired you and your team as well. I mean, it sounds like the the learning from them will be will be greatly resourced for American companies here, and as well as the ones that accompanied you um, on the trip. Carol, I so appreciate you coming on the show and sharing these insights with us. We don't, as I said at the top of the show, we don't often hear a lot about Chinese working women, so this was really great information. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Maria. It was delightful to talk to you again. And for everyone out there who wants to know more about working uh, mothers and working women, do go to workingmother.com. And thanks to my producer, George, for another great show. And join me right here next week for another edition of Purse Strings, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. I'll be speaking with Suzanne Horton, the Jane behind the newly relaunched BJane.com, a home remodeling community focused on inspiring women to tackle their dreams of home. Until then, make it a great one. 